I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. Welcome to the GER, Alan Brogan. It's great to have you here in studio with me. Good to be here, Willie, at last, yeah. Bring us back to the old days in Minute, so just <laughs> sitting down at the back of class. In a few years. <laughs> Come here, the Dublin Club Football Championship has kicked off. Uh, Plunkett started with a good result, a draw against St. Jude's. A lot of people looking from the outside think maybe Plunkett's might be slightly on the slide, but that's maybe had people wake up and say, you're not gone anywhere yet. Yeah, yeah, look, I wasn't playing myself, I was suspended, but it was it. Fairness to the lads, it was it was a good performance, and a lot of people probably had written us off going into that match. Jude's been in the final last year. Um, Jude's Jude's been a good side, been knocking around final semi-finals for the last number of years. So yeah, I think the boys would be happy enough to get a point out. Of it yeah, and definitely. Move on to the next one. So you were suspended from last year's championship. A lot of people wondering where you retired. You gone very quiet, so you're not retired. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, not yet. But I suspended. Yeah, I got sent off unfortunately against Ballyboden in the last game last year. So I had to serve out a serve out a game suspension. So uh, by the way, are you going to retire twice like Marco Shea, or is one retirement? Uh, no, are you definitely going to not. Definitely <laughs> not. The next time I retire, I'll be very much under the radar. Um, <laughs> well, you just go down to you me. go down to junior and then you just finish, and that's <laughs> the way it works. Except unless you're Marco Shea and you retire twice. Yeah, yeah. No, only be the ones. <laughs> Come here, just the one uh, medal that you're missing, really, is the club one. And you've been in three finals. It's the 2008 one, Kilmacud Crokes 3-6, Plunkett 13. I was at this game and the one thing I'll always remember was Nesty Smith going for a goal when you were two points up. And in fairness to him, if he got it, the game was over. It went off the crossbar and Crokes went up and scored a goal to beat you by a point. Yeah. yeah Absolute heartbreak. And I actually remember a ball dropped to me out. It was... It was level at the time, I think. Um, oh, was it? Yeah, no, I think we were level at the time. And the ball dropped to me around 21 yards out. And there was a few bodies around me. And I saw Nesty out to my left. And for anyone that knows Nesty, he doesn't miss too often. Like, he's one of the most accurate players I've ever played. I slipped it out to him on the top. But look, it came off the crossbar. That's football. Um, 
we moved on. We've had a couple of chances since then. And in fairness, we probably should have won. We probably should have won that game in the first game. We went to a replay. We lost the replay. Should have won the first one. Um, that was um, an away, yeah. That then was away. Bridget's better since 2011. Yeah. 2011. We and lost the Bridget's in the Leinster that year as well. They were they were flying it that year. They came out of nowhere, really, didn't they? Yeah, but like Bridget's still, have you a were good favourites. Yeah, no? we were. Yeah, well, we'd probably four or five lads playing with Dublin at that stage, but the Bridget's had been knocking around as well. That was obviously obviously a local derby, and that, look, that was a tough one to take. Losing any, any county final is tough to take, but particularly losing the Bridget's, who were just up the road from us. Um, and I'd have known, known a lot of the lads very well. Obviously, it was tough to take, but. Uh, we lost to Vince's then in 2015. In a tactical um, battle. You played very well that day as well, I yeah, thought. Yeah, we did. We were probably probably quite playing quite defensively then. And, um, yeah. ah, I think that day Vince's were probably the better team. In fairness, we got a goal. I got a goal, actually, maybe with about five minutes to go. Probably put a little bit of gloss on the scoreline. But, yeah, look, to lose three finals is tough. And, look, if I finish up my club career without a, count, without a county medal, that is going to be tough to take. But, um, like, I think all in all... When I look back, it's 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 like it's hard to have any regrets, but obviously that will be the one regret that. Uh, and I think as well, like it, like when you're playing county football um, and you're putting everything into that, you're getting back to the club as you know. You're getting back to your club for a few weeks or a week before the before the county championship does kick off again. I think kind of when I finished up playing playing with the county in 2015 um, with a couple of kids at that stage, so your priorities changed a little bit. So I probably yeah. wasn't able to give to the club what I would have liked at that stage because of the kids and stuff three kids now so you know yourself it's hard to uh, your look your priorities just change but yeah you're in the doghouse if you're going training all the yeah, time it was tough. I like don't know how to do it, it. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know how they do it the inter-county lads with children like you see yeah. some of them drop in their bags and they're gone off still inter-county with children I don't know like two or three children I, I, how do they get the pass to be able to do this yeah well I did it with two of me last year it was tough alright yeah Bernard's doing it with two this He's year he might get one year at it maybe <laughs> and that'll be it but uh, look it is tough it's like as you know playing playing at the county at that level is a full time commitment um, so it's tough to hold down a job even when you're playing at that level let yeah. alone let alone raise kids. But so how's Berno getting on anyways with the two children? Like, I mean, he's uh, whacking in one six the last day. So yeah, like, he's I mean good. He was good the last day. In fairness to him, he's put a great effort into into. He probably would have liked to see see a bit more game time in the league than what he saw. But um, like, I think he's been fit. He's had a good. He's had a good, good preseason. Hasn't been carrying any knocks. So look, it's coming into championship season now. He played well last week. Um, as I said to me, 2015, I didn't play any National League. It was my first game back in 15 was a challenge match against Galway out in out in Scaries and I scored four points and all of a sudden you play a challenge match like that, all of a sudden you're back in the picture. So, yeah, but like, you didn't way, get back in in that whole year, you, you know what I mean? You yeah, but I, but like I played a part off the bench and I think that's the role he's going to be playing as a part yeah. off the bench if he has a part to play. Um Look, I'm thinking away, like you're going up, like you got a few minutes against Cavan up in Breffney Park in a tight match. In a way, you can play yourself out of out of a place on the team in those matches as well. Um, yeah. Particularly well, away matches in the National League. Um, like kind of playing the likes of Cavan, who can be quite defensive. Like It can be hard as an inside forward to get at any ball at all. So, um, but if you're not around when the team's going well, suddenly you've become a much more important player. I'm not saying Dublin aren't going well, but they didn't make the league final. So suddenly, maybe the fellas who hadn't been there are going to be seen as, look... Jesus, these we need these lads back. You know what I mean? These experienced fellas. Yeah, places up for grabs. And if you look at some of the older guys who probably haven't featured that much over the last four or five National League matches, all of a sudden lads are thinking, can, can Dublin really do without these guys? The last three league matches, I don't think Jim would be particularly worried. But I think places are up for grabs. And I think that's a good thing for the likes of Bernard and the likes of Paul Flynn. 
Like yeah. If they have good club championships now coming into a few a few friendly games where space opens up a little bit for fours in those friendly games you do get a bit more space and you get an opportunity to get a couple of scores and as I said I got four points in the challenge match against Galway and all of a sudden you're you're kind of back in the frame. Yeah. You've um, done a lot more in the game now. You've mentioned this challenge match four points. You've yeah. scored. You've scored. You've got scores in big no, games. They were it. an important four points. <laughs> They're the most important yeah. scores. One two. Did you get one two against us in the Leicester final? You've scored in all Ireland finals, and you were obsessed about this challenge match where you scored four yeah. points. It got yeah. you back in the mix. It got me back in the mix that year for sure because I haven't played <laughs> national league. So that's that's the message I've given Bernard. Anyway, don't panic. Yet. There's a few. There's a few friendly matches coming up, and you get a few chances there. This is the older brother advice. What do you make of Connolly at centre back then? So Vincent's beat Bridget's and Bridget's are on the slide big time. Like I mean, we talked about 2011, and you think they might hang around and be a force. They never hung around at all. But that's not the story out of this game, anyways. Um, Connolly's at centre back, so I can see what they're trying to do here. Maybe they're like I mean, I used to love looking back on my career. I didn't like that I was so versatile because I never nailed down a position and made it my own. But I used to love the change all the time. It's you know, it's learning something new and it's uh, excitement. Maybe Connolly needs that. Maybe he, he's been put back there like here McGinney was towards the end of his career on a free roll where someone else will pick up the centre forward and he's just... he Like, there's no free roll on the field, really, outside of centre back. You know what I mean? You can you can dictate that a little bit more. You can't get a free roll in the forwards because someone's just going to tag you. What do you make of this centre back thing? Yeah, it's probably... Like, I suppose playing in the forwards for Vincent, he's, he's, he's probably getting double marked in a lot of club games. Um like from his own perspective playing centre back I'd say when it was mentioned to him I wouldn't say he would have been that wild about it but maybe he's he's played a few matches there he probably is getting a bit of freedom there he's getting like we know he likes to spray the ball around he the field so if, the he's, ball, yeah. if he's sitting back in that pocket and he's he's getting an opportunity to give kick passes in without any real pressure put on him but like as a centre forward um, will he really want to mark some like Derm's a good tackler like when he gets his hands on you he but is. is he going to want to track is he going to want to track a centre forward that's moving around a lot Probably not. So certainly, if I was playing against Vincent and you're and you're you're, you're you're maybe you're looking how to be exposed when Darren was playing centre back. Yeah. If you could get a runner of a centre forward that can that can stay on the move and maybe pick up some ball in those pockets. I don't think he's going to be the tightest marker there, but I can no. see why they're doing it there for I, like his distribution is is excellent. He's excellent, but this is the thing as well. The way Vincent's play, they move a lot of their half forward line back. So who's Connolly going to be spraying it to? Because it's too far back to be giving it to a full forward line from centre back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he'll so still try though. He'll try, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of the right or the left. So from the reports, he's whacking him off off the left and the right. But re- it it is a full forward line doesn't really want it that from the from the ha- from the centre half back. Yeah, no, but he ha- like he has the capability to do that. And if they are dropping men back, maybe that allows one of the half forwards to pick up the centre forward. Too, yeah. so he gets to sit back into that like into that free pocket and. And we've seen him being like we've seen him being dogged both in club games and county games as a as a half forward. Um, like we've seen, say, the likes of Lee Keegan, who just tracks him everywhere he goes, and that's very frustrating for a footballer of Dermot's calibre that he just can't get any space. So he's not going to be let play as a forward, or, or certainly defence are going to try and stop him playing as a forward. So, so maybe that's the reason he's gone to centre back just to try and free him up a little bit, maybe to take a little bit of that attention off him as well that he's getting as a forward. But uh, I, I know you're after saying that he wouldn't been too impressed, maybe potentially with that move. But say if he did want to get in with Dublin, we're only speculating here because we don't know. He's like a closed book on this one. Um, but if you want to get back into the Dublin squad, playing centre back for your club isn't really. You know what I mean? You might say to your club manager, "Go here." Jim Gavin's not going to be looking for me as a centre back. You're doing me no favours if I wanted to get back in there. Is that almost a yeah, signal? Yeah, I'm not sure he has to prove to Jim Gavin uh, whether he's good enough to play or Dublin. But 
whether he's good enough to play for Dublin or not I think it's more as his head in the right frame of mind to come back and play and, and, and does Jim want him back we don't know the answer to, to, to none of us know the answer to either of those questions whether he wants to come back or whether Jim wants him back so look it's good to see him back playing with Vincent that's a positive step for Dublin fans and hopefully once they get these couple of games out of the way in the championship there'll be a conversation or whatever and it would be great to see him back I'm not sure we'll see him playing centre back for Dublin but it would be, I wouldn't it would say be so. great to see him I wouldn't it would say be great so. to see him back in another man direction. another man that we will probably see back I think you can let me know if you agree is Rory O'Carroll so he looked in great shape I watched this game on the television um, he didn't look like he'd been like I wouldn't say he lets himself go he played a bit of football over in New Zealand at a lower level but he looked right at the pitch of that game and like I mean he is a definite option for Jim Gavin for that full back line because we know we're going to talk about a bit more about Dublin in part three but I think Dublin need him back he's in good shape like I mean Jim Gavin talks a lot about having an open door policy although you never really see him bringing that many fellas back in during during the year Yeah it's certainly an option for Jim um, like I obviously know Rory well he's one of these guys like when I played for when I played for Dublin I was completely obsessed by it when you played football you were completely obsessed by it he's, he's a tight he's a type of character that, that he can nearly take it or leave it like he played for Dublin he wins a couple of Ireland, All-Irelands then he just disappears for three years and it, 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 it's, it's, it's like it was no bother to him at all so to see him back now would Jim take that as a bit desire? of an insult? Would I, I don't no? think so. I, think, I don't think so. Jim's very much leaves fellas that are on devices and if they're available to play, like I know he says that in open forum, but he's if guys are available to play, he'll pick them. If not, they won't. But he, he, he yeah, look, he looks in good shape. Have Dublin a problem there? There's, there's talk that Dublin have a problem in the full back line, and he is a, he's an aggressive full back that'll solve that problem for sure. Um, it's just whether he has the interest of coming back or not, because he is the type of fella that might just say, "No, oh, look, I'm happy enough to play with the club, hurling and football, and." and that's enough for me yeah. now, but I suppose time will tell over the next over the next couple of weeks. Because no, the club championships. So. Nobody's actually asked him, or he's never. He hasn't said if he's even interested. So all yeah, this no, speculation, thing, and he is that type of guy that could maybe just take it or leave and say, "No, look, I'm happy playing with my friends and kill McCord and that's enough for him. Yeah, because um, he's not the type of character that's 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 obsessed with football. It's it's like it's one part of his life, and whereas for the likes of myself, it was nearly Everton for ten years. Um, yeah, but he's not. He he's just not that type of character and maybe maybe it's difficult go from two years in New Zealand even though he's in good shape to back to that level of commitment you know what I mean the 35 hours outside of your job like while fitness wise it won't be a huge big deal for him but maybe in his own head and commit do I really need this after seeing yeah you know we're what I mean? seeing more and more guys in their, in their like in their mid 20s or whatever they're just saying no look it's just too much for me so look we don't know we'll find out in a few weeks And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't come back to be honest which I wouldn't be surprised if he decided no look playing club football is enough for me right um, and is he the answer say potentially for that full back line like I mean he, he is a bit of a spoiler in there he's done it he's done it to Star Donaghy like I mean he like he has that bit of size that maybe yeah I think look, there. yeah look there's a problem there we haven't seen much of Philly McMahon this year either like and he's no. like he's coming back at the fitness I know he played a couple of matches towards the end he, he he's obviously played in the club championship so he's well able to do that job as well so I think as a Dublin fan or whatever I don't think Jim would be particularly worried once he gets the likes of once he gets the likes of Philly back but obviously to have Rory there as an option would be great um, and I think Dublin fans would be 
would be happy to see him back. Uh, certainly had a bit of extra spice going into the championship to see to see himself and Dermot himself and Dermot back in the panel. Yeah, no, exactly. Right, Camaro, I wanted to talk to you about attacking cornerbacks, right? Because we talk about this a lot on the show. I'd love them banned. Some people think they're great for the game. It's great the way the game's evolving. I think they make a balls of the game. They've messed the whole shape of the game up. You have outstanding forwards in the game that are spending their time tracking them so you don't get to see them at the best of their ability. I know from talking to you down through the years, um, you told me Pillar Caffrey gave you permission not to track not your to track. <laughs> Occasionally, yeah. Well, I often, uh, and we mentioned this before the show, I often cheated on my man as a as a as a corner forward and as a centre forward. So, so for a kick out, I'd allow I'd allow the centre back maybe creeping under the break, and I'd try and cheat off. And I got more scores like that over the years, where the ball just we win the break, it's popped over the centre back's head, and I'm away. Um, like when I started out playing, if you think of the cornerbacks that were strong at the time, maybe the likes of Enda McNulty in 2002, maybe Francie Bellew, Sean Marty Lockhart from Derry like was probably the best cornerback at, uh, at that time. Like Those guys yeah. didn't attack at all. They just did their job. That they was ha- the good old days, right? Yeah. And we go back into the corner and wait for the next <laughs> ball to come. And then you compare that to, say, Philly and the Gooch in 2000 and in... 2014 Whatever. or 15 final. 2015 yeah where, where the poor El Goose just had to chase fully, fully back for the whole game and um, probably Mark O'Shea was probably the first defender that started to attack and I would have marked him a few times I would have cheated a few times said I'll just wait here and see but if like we know if Mark got away he could cause damage going to he could cause real damage going the opposite direction but um, yeah I think it was certainly easier when the cornerbacks used to just go back into the corner hand pass it off yeah. but, but the game has changed and, uh, but we're wondering why like myself and Keen Ward here in the Monday are always wondering why are more players not cheating you see all of them now in the league final I saw Clifford I was at the game and Harrison went twice early and Clifford purposely didn't look like he was following him so there's enough lads in that middle third to pick him up why does Clifford like see Jamie Clark he's just constantly going back mar- yeah. following. and in Dublin Dean Rock Mannion all these lads will track I'm wondering is there some sort of tactical reason why they're doing this or why are they not cheating you yeah. know or doing that you know I think a lot of teams take their kind of take their guide off the team that's doing well like if you look at Donegal in 2012 or whatever all of a sudden teams start playing like that you look at Dublin now like all the Dublin forwards track their men yeah. they just don't leave them go we know that clip of Paul Mannion against Tyrone in the All Ireland final last year, where he's back in his own his own penalty box making tackles. But I remember um, in Pat Gilroy's first or second year, maybe we were down. We were on a training weekend down in Cork, and we were discussing this um, as a forward unit whether we should track. And I would have thought that Bernard at that stage, let's just leave Bernard up there. The rest of us will do the will do the donkey work, and if we can get the ball up to him, he's fresh and stuff. So. Pat used to be a bit sarcastic in some of these meetings, and he's and he says to Bernard, "So, so Bernard, tell you what we'll do. Right, we'll all all do the tracking out here. The five of us will run around. You just stay in there, right, and we'll try to get the ball into you." And Bernard's kind of nodding his head. Yeah, Pat, that's a great idea. Because now it's not a good idea, Bernard. That's not what happened. So that that kind of evolved. And Pat Pat Gilroy always always wanted the forwards to chase to to to. to track the cornerbacks and to track the fullback if they went and Jim Gavin's obviously followed that on but I did and, early and you, discussed in my it, you discussed this as a group did you and say what's the solution to this because obviously Berner's been pulled out like that's a natural conversation that yeah, would be had no, we it. had to track but I think the, the, the cornerbacks are much better footballers now maybe than they were 10 or 15 years ago as well so they can get up probably Mark O'Shea was the first like Mark could get up and kick a score no problem so they can do more damage now than they probably could have done 10 or 15 years ago so I think that's that's probably the reason like if you look at Philly he's got some very important scores for Dublin yeah. over the last few years and, um, See, that's but, yeah, it's, it's, it's 
it's tough for corner forward all right it yeah. definitely is but, but like this is the thing and when my idea is just to not let the you have three attackers and three taggers and they ca- like just to keep some traditional kind of values on that full forward line because what what does a full forward line become then it becomes a wing f- a, a line of wing forwards that might not have that like yeah well the only vo- way to put manners on a cornerback that's gone is to wait inside and to and let him go and catch him with a score oh, but yeah. I don't understand yeah. why that ma- teams are not doing that I understand see Dublin are, are like you're saying the pinnacle and they do it so then you're wondering is there a tactical reason to do it I know just letting one lad off surely a midfielder can you can a signal to a yeah, midfielder say, to pick, and he yeah. knows I'm more than happy to track him because you need to be in there fresh and we'd love it to break down you only need to do it once and yeah, you've managed to catch him for a goal yeah, yeah. yeah. I just don't uh, understand why they don't do it more often yeah well I like I said I certainly did it when I was um, I often cheated when I was playing and just hung around so I got loads of scores off it but uh, no teams are all tracking now like all the top teams are all tracking and, and maybe that's what it needs it needs a couple of guys just to hang inside and maybe get a goal or two and that'll uh, that'll put manners in the likes of Philly or whatever going forward You told me before that in 2012 this was Pat Gilroy's second year that you became obsessed with Donegal and their style of play so that was probably in around you had time you had this conversation where Paddy McGrath might take off or Neil McGee might take off and is this when this the game started changing and you realised that um, you know shit th- this is a yeah, totally different ball game yeah you need to track these runners and like I think uh, like in the case of Donegal it mightn't even be one cornerback that could go once they turn you over the, f- the whole full back line could nearly yeah. go like it just ma- makes so a mess of the to, game yeah Yeah. so you just had to you just had to track them and you see like you can see the damage when the team hits you on the break as Donegal did to us in 2014 and you don't track runners they'd men over like I think Ryan McHugh got a couple of those guys and uh, or got a couple of goals that day in 2014 and there was men queuing up at the back post to score uh, to score the goal so I think after that after 2014 I think the decision was made by Jim every track tracks. every runner and that's it yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's hard to argue with at this stage well it? it probably is yeah <laughs> it probably is right we'll talk a little bit more about Dublin in part 3 Desi Farrell got off to a winning start this is very Dublin focused seeing as you're like a you're an ex-dub and you're an Evening Herald uh, columnist <laughs> so I said I'd keep it more I'd keep it more Dublin with you but there's loads of stories coming out of Dublin anyways there's loads to talk about yeah, with the Dublin Club Championship like it has national interest Desi Farrell this slipped over under my radar I didn't even realise Desi had gone back managing the FINA the whole thing about him was that he was gone, gone in with the Dublin Hurlers but he had like they hammered Sylvester's um, I'm not sure about Desi Farrell every time I hear him talk I'm thinking what an uninspirational type of manager he would be but then Jim Gavin is a very uninsp- uninspiring talker as well yeah. like I mean there's a lot more to management than just being this you know maybe that's an old fashioned view I have of having this inspirational leader yeah like in fairness to Desi he, he, he'd he be very popular in Dublin football circles obviously he's very well respected um, he's obviously moved on from the GPA at this stage I think for sure he would he would harbour hopes of the Dublin senior job at some stage like he's done his I don't know call it what you like an apprenticeship or a stint at the minors under 21s and, and, and had some good success there so um, I was surprised to see him go back into the Fiend I wasn't expecting it myself now to be honest with you they've had a couple of good under 21 teams in the Fiend in fairness I yeah. think they've won 3 or 4 21 championships they won, so. yeah they won a few in a row but they've been up so maybe that's the maybe he sees these young guys coming through and he sees an opportunity to bring them through But he um, and it's obviously his own club so um He's uh, yeah, he's gone back in there, but I think he would harbour hopes of the senior job once, once Jim or whenever Jim decides to pack it in, that he'd be the next in line. But he's a good, uh, he's a smart, 
he's a smart footballer mind and he's 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 very well respected and 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 very well liked. So I think he'd be a good choice for the next uh, for the next Dublin senior manager. I think he'd certainly be be top of the pecking order at this stage. Yeah. So Jim Gavin has extended his contract to 2021. So. Like, what does a contract mean in the ah, GA? I don't think it means anything. I think it's you have a theory. Mirrors, you have a theory that you think. Uh, maybe, you have a theory. You think he might leave if they do the five in a row. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's just. It's. It, it's just a hunch. Um, like he's contracted, if you want to call it that, until until the end. Of the, uh, the end of two thousand twenty-one. But so he's always done that. It. Yeah, he's always pushed it out that it's been a couple of years, and like in like in fairness to Jim if I was him that's what I'd do as well because it just stops any talk is this your last year is this and like we know Jim he just wouldn't have any interest in those sort of questions yeah. so, um, so if, if that like Jim that, will aside I think yeah. it's like I think the year means nothing I think when Jim wants to go when he feels the right time to go whether he's a, a contract there or not he'll, he'll uh, he will just go and I think the five in a row like where else do you go after the five in a row for a fella like him like he's 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 a very committed ambitious man I think not just on football I would imagine it's the same in his in his in his work career as well like he works for the for for the Irish Aviation Authority um, like there's no doubt he's 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 fairly senior there there's there's no doubt I'm sure he has the credentials to to go right to the top there if he if he wanted to so um, knowing the ambition he has I'm sure that might be on the that might be on the the yeah. book list as well but um, it would make sense though if that's what he was doing because like this if this was his last year it would be a distraction you know that will you, you're going to leave you know it's your last year will you extend it and we know what Jim Gavin Jim Gavin is absolutely military when yeah, it comes to media media place, distractions yeah. especially he he obviously hates them like he's he like we know he's changed the perception of Dublin football and there's no kind of you know perception of fellas doing too much in the media or saying too much he keeps them fairly well under control in that regard so a specula- speculation in the media all year of his of his of his own tenure that would really piss him off yeah well you can be sure Jim would have sat down at the start of the year with his with the guys close to him and said right what are the things that can maybe off rail us this year what are the things I can control what are the things I can't control and as you say talk about him finishing up at the end of the year would just be a distraction that he just wouldn't want so how do you stop that we'll just do a contract extension till the end of 2020 <laughs> like what's, what's a contract in the GA like yeah. in fairness so, no it's not that's um, brilliant if that's what he's doing I'm, I'm applauding this yeah, yeah. I'm definitely applauding this it does make we'll see, we'll see at the end of the year but but, but uh, look it's his job for as long as he wants it anyway so um, so it'll be com- it'll be completely up to him when he decides. And look, he's two young kids as well. He's he's put like in, in fairness to Jim Gavin and Declan Darcy. Like when they finished in two thousand and when Tommy Lyons in charge in two thousand and two, they went straight into to coaching the Dublin under twenty ones, which we won the All Ireland in two thousand three. Tommy Lyons came back and was the manager of the team, but it was really Jim Gavin and Declan Darcy that were in charge of all the training that year. So they've right. been they've been involved ever since at under twenty under twenty one level. Then they were manag- he was a manager of twenty ones and onto the seniors. So he's done two thousand three. He's at this for He's had it a long time, th- yeah. Like however long that is. Like it's a huge, you do the max huge sixteen yeah, years. 16, <laughs> 16 years. Like it's a, it, like it's an unbelievable commitment to Dublin football affairs yeah. too. And Declan Darcy as well, who was like he's been his right hand man ever since, often under the radar, but he, like he's a young family, four kids at home and he's been at this. It's 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 and to go, you know, yourself to go from from finishing your inter-county career straight into coaching the in. 21s like there's yeah. no way I would have done it like there's no way no he's due a break is due. he is due a break yeah. so whenever he wants to take his break he's more than welcome to because he's been fantastic Come here, you keep going on about this um, 
challenge match in Galway where you scored the four points a big moment in your career that got you back <laughs> into the mix another challenge match that I remember that got you in the mix was a challenge game against Clare because we were in Manute together so you scored 1-2 in this and I'll never forget yeah. this you got 1-2 you probably don't even remember this but this was um, you were being seen as a cornerback right for Dublin it's under Tommy Lyons and I remember Barry Cal were in college together and Barry was after getting in a burn cup game against Westmead and I remember you saying to me I'm Fucked here! I can't get in here at all. <laughs> I'm cornerback. Another game you're talking about. I was. You were, you were being seen. You were a sub as a cornerback, right? Even mm. if can anyone can listen and can imagine this. And then you had a training session. I would have been an attacking cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in a challenge in a in an in-house game, Collie Moran got injured, and you got moved from cornerback because there was nobody else, or maybe yeah. they were giving you a go, and you got up to to forwards. And you played really well. And then you played Claire in a challenge match the following year. This was 2002, your first ever year. And you never look back after yeah, that. Isn't that, a, isn't that yeah. amazing? I was playing... Corn- um, I went into Dublin panel in 2001 when Tommy Carr was in charge. And he was only 18 at the time. But he was looking at me as a wing-back. Because um, you're a wing-back as a minor, right? Wing-back in the minors, yeah. So the following year, I wasn't on the championship that... The, the the championship panel that year, myself and Barry Cahill went to went to New York for some but but the following year I came in and we were out training in Abe Baroque and an, I was a cornerback and Mick Casey, Paul Casey's brother was a cornerback as well. And we were the last two left on the team so so Tommy said he went as a forward for the first half and then we swapped and I went as a forward for the second half and in the <laughs> second half I kicked I kicked four I, uh, I might have kicked one two or maybe four points and we were playing Clare the next day and they broke and Tommy put me in corner forward I got four points that day as a as a, as a corner forward um, and ever since then thank God I never ended up back in the backs again No, and you're like, it would have been no good I wouldn't have made it as a back there's no and, way and what, at what point of the year was that I don't think you played too many league games that was close to the championship no, or have no, I got was, that wrong no, was you played league yeah no, it might have been before Christmas maybe it was I played league that year 2002 yeah, yeah. oh right okay well it was after the Burn Cup anyways because you were sti- still as a cornerback yeah, it must have been the end of January maybe, end of just January maybe yeah. League, yeah, yeah. so that was but, it uh, yeah kick four points against Clare yeah that was it thank God Fairy tale stuff. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk to Pat McEnany next. Um, quickly before we talk to Pat, we're going to talk to him about like players influencing referees. Like, I mean, who was your main man? Like, I mean, I, we know down through the years that somebody might be given the job to pat the referee on the back or you know plow moss him. I don't know if it ever worked. Yeah, it was never really something we discussed. To be honest with you, that I that I can remember. Um, like obviously, you always looked here. You always looked your captain, but but yeah. And the whole referee abuse team like I played with you and Manute Woolly like and, and <laughs> you were the only inter-county player in the team so I wouldn't have wanted to be taking my guidance off you now that's a but disgraceful uh, thing uh, to say I nurtured I wasn't great at it I wasn't great at it myself now either to be honest Pat might allude to that but it um, yeah look I was thinking about it like I think the whole the whole thing they do in the, in the, during the national anthems where the players line up and they shake the referee's hand and stuff like it's a little personal interaction before the match I think something like that might help Um a handshake with the referee before the match and but you've done the, you, I've never done those handshakes they weren't around you would have done them right like I mean do yeah, you mean did. anything or do you just go past especially with the other team Is like I mean it's supposed to be about respect but sure you would not really make an eye contact or do you just go through the motions yeah on that? yeah you probably go through the motions but like, I think it probably needs a bit of a concerted campaign to to, to, like, to kind of stamp out the referee yeah. abuse because if you look at like it's probably the one area of the game if you look at GA compared to Compared to rugby, even even compared to soccer, like the, the, there's there's probably more abuse of referees in the GA, and it probably is an area that 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 everyone needs to 
needs to have a good look at. Yeah, Nigel Owens in rugby, they come into the the two teams' dressing rooms, into the dressing room and, the game. and talk to them as yeah. a group. Say, Les, this is what I'm looking out for today. This is a pet hate of mine because we know referees have different things and at inter-county level you'll have your homework done on them and say, oh, under no circumstances pick a rolling ball. Under no circumstances question this fella, he'll bring the free up. You know, yeah. to come in and say, and just to have a chat like a human being, like, I mean, I think you would be a lot less likely to give out to a referee who's come in and you know what I mean give you a lowdown on what kind of he won't tolerate yeah no, I agree with you it just creates a little bit of interaction before a game yeah. but I think can only help um, no certainly I think it would it would be uh, it would be a good thing for sure yeah okay right well we'll talk to Pat McEnany about all that next happiness I don't really know Jim anymore. Me and him were like best friends when, when we played, you know. He's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the dog days are over. The dog days are done. The horses are coming. So you better run. Okay, so last week, Turlock O'Brien, Stephen Poacher and Brendan Murphy got long suspensions for using for the use of threatening language against referee James Birmingham and already this year Kieran McGeaney got a four week ban David Fitzgerald got a four week ban and Wayne Kerrins got twelve, a 12 week ban for incidents with officials so to talk to us about this we have former referee and former chairman of the referee development committee Pat McEnany on the line Pat that's not a great start to the year well, it's, of course, it depends where you sit. It's, it's not a good, good. Um, it's not a good uh, start of the year when it comes to to referees uh, receiving abuse from uh, from senior officials. But I think it's a good start of the year when it sets the stall out uh, by the association that you know if you uh, if you start abusing referees and referees report that abuse, then it's going to be dealt with. So I take a positive out of that. Yes, there is a negative, but the positive is that the association are seen to be dealing with it. Yeah, so the, the Tipperary's Willie Barrett is the current chairman of the Referee Development Committee and he said um, this week, we're very clear on this, we want to have encouraged or we want and have encouraged our referees to report any issues of abuse or threatening language. Now that makes me wonder, has this always been going on and referees wouldn't report it and now they're being, being encouraged to and we're seeing more incidences of it? Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Colm. I must say, in my time, I, I, I tend to handle all my own abuse, and, and I was never a good um, example of maybe the right thing to do, I have to say, because, you know, I've swapped the words with, with a lot of people in my refereeing days, and that was the way I dealt with it. Um, and I suppose when I became chairman, I had to, I had to switch me, my, my own personal thinking on that to, to um, you know, to maybe the correct way it must be said. Because I know since I've come in as chairman, and, he, and, and Willie is definitely carrying that on, is we, we're encouraging our referees, if, you know, if they are abused, verbally abused, then you report it. Because the only way that the association can deal with it is if you report it. And, uh, you know, some people, you know, some people have thicker skins than others. Uh, some people um, 
have a higher level of tolerance than, than other people. So it can vary quite a bit. But, you know, I think you clear it all up by saying any abuse you get, report it into the association and let us deal with it. Yeah. See, I don't know if even if you're a good example, because I'm not trying to butter you up here, you would have been one of the, one of the best referees. So I'd imagine if you've got a control of the game, the level of abuse you would receive, you know, wouldn't be on the level of a referee who's getting, you know, big decisions wrong. But in your experience from refereeing and meetings for the Referee Development Committee, how big a problem is uh, abuse? Well, I think in, in general, it's quite big. You know, I think, that, you know, the level of authority all over the place, you know, is is, is getting more difficult. You know, uh, um, you know, you talk to teachers, you talk to Gardaí, you talk to referees, some other sport. It's, it's not, it's definitely not getting any easier. And, and uh, you know, it's a, in the society that we're growing up to, people are finding it very difficult to say no to their children. The word no is, is a very difficult word for some parents to get out there to the kids and, and that then exasperates itself on, you know, when, 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 you know, when they're juveniles, when they're underage, it's becoming slightly more difficult to referee at all levels and in all levels of sport. Um, so, you know, to, to follow with that on, then, you know, if you take the the, ref, the referees, for example, um, they're probably finding it more difficult. Uh, the, the number of 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 um, you know, and the level of abuse that, that that's been received in in the modern game. So, um, the big the big question for us is, is as a society is how how do we how do we change that thinking? How do we correct all that thinking rather than just leaving it down to the referees? If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, it's a cultural thing really in the GA because you know as well as I do. Even if you go to watch a match, there'll be a fella in the stand or there could be two or three of them and from the first minute till the end of the game they'll be at the referee you're riding us you're giving us nothing you know what I mean and that, that culture is going to be very difficult to change because we've all grown up in it and some managers are like that like I mean they go crazy at every single refereeing decision like it's the end of the world and you know that filters to players and it seems like it, it's never going to change yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an issue, Colm, it's, it's, and it's a problem. And and the other thing is, I you know I've thought about this is that you know you take um, parents, um, you know, uh, of of young kids, that you know that it's a it's a revolving door because you know suddenly a family now uh, is a, is a, has a twelve year old, and this is the first time they have a young lad at under twelve, and he's playing football, and there. You know, them parents sometimes the reaction along the the lane and the abuse that they throw at referees is unbelievable, unbelievable. Some of the it'll scare you. Some of the stuff that I do here along the sidelines now that I'm I'm looking in, and and those new parents are being produced every year. We're, you know, that's a revolving door. There's a new under twelve every every year they're coming in. So it's about that drive. That it. I believe that a lot of it has got to be driven down through the club. You know, there must be a focus, there must be an emphasis through, sorry, through the county boards, first of all, and through the clubs that, you know, the, the level of abuse has got to stop and, it's, and you put it in as your number one category of each club. You know, we must, we must start striving to get to where, you know, the rugby people are, for example. And, 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 they, and I would safely say their standards have slipped as well. You know, they're, they're coming under more pressure as well, that, that, that association. But if we could even get to that level, then it would be a nice place to be. Yeah, and, yeah. 
Yeah, Sorry, Alan Brogan was on the show here, is on the show here, and we were talking about the example of the rugby referees where they visit the dressing room. I think it was Nigel Owens, and he goes in and he has a chat with the teams in an informal manner about what he's, you know, expecting of them and any, any questions, you know, ask me on the field and I might try and sort them out, you know, and acting, have that connection with the two teams, and you might be less likely to give abuse to a man, you know what I mean, who visits your dressing room and actually outlines what his kind of pet hates are. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, 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 I've often suggested that, you know, when I was chairman, that it was a road that we, we should go down, definitely at national level. Um, you know, but I, and again, I go back to my point, like it's, it's OK for Nigel Owens and it's OK for the top referees and it's OK for referees who are good communicators. Some referees may not be comfortable in that environment. Right. You know, um, you know, if you take Nigel Owens, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking at the top of the tree there. You know, you then you have other referees who are not as good at communicating as he is on the football pitch. You know, to say that Nigel Owens, you know, if we just go back to Nigel Owens again, like, one of Nigel Owens' biggest attributes, there's not much difference between a lot of the top referees. Not much difference. You know, they get a lot of the big calls, right? And now you have um, video replays. So their job has become much easier. The big advantage Nigel Owens has is he, he's a brilliant communicator with players. That's, yeah. bri- that's, that's what separates him from a lot of people. Um, so... <clears throat> Um, but you know, and there's no doubt about that. Like going into a dressing room before a match and and talking to the two teams or talking to the two captains and, and the two managers, it, it it does open up a door for you to, to me and and it and it, it it gets them to, to to see you as a person and and that hey you're a normal human being trying to do a job here, no different than what the captain is or no different than what the manager is. So it definitely opens that door. Yeah, and, and look, there's a flip side of this, like because this is McGeaney, Davy Fitzgerald, Wayne, uh, Kieran's, Turlock O'Brien. It's a lot of managers getting frustrated. Is the level of refereeing at a high standard, you think, at the moment in the GEA? I think, you know, it's, it's like everything else. Uh, you know, the, the top referees are the top referees. And, and you know, they're always, you know, the, the counties may be down in Division 3 and Division 4 where the association is trying out referees. I know that was one of the problems that we had, we faced uh, when I was chairman. And even when I was refereeing, there were encouragements the, you know, the Division One referees to go down and referee in Division Three and Division Four because um, then the sta- you know, the standard would improve. Like the weaker counties were always looking for the stronger referees because they were they were being dealt the hand of the well, a so called weaker referees. Yeah, or inexperienced kind of ones. Yeah. Inexperienced referees. But <clears throat> you know, you can't put an inexperienced referee into a division one game until he's proved himself at division four and division three. So there is a, a certain amount of that uh, that probably does happen and, and when you're in Division 3 and Division 4 then you've got to accept that uh, because the Division 1 teams are always looking for the top referees Division 2 is looking for the, the second layer so but I think there is an important balance there I mean maybe you know there is times that maybe the, you know I mean, I'm sure Willie would look at it, the, the Division 1 referee you know we, we the top referees that you put them down to, to Division 3 and Division 4 you know to, to keep that balance right but Again, the other argument they would throw back at is, well, how do you how do you blood your referees? How yeah. do you blood them? You can only blood them in Division Three and Division Four. So that's a little that's that's not the easiest. And then sometimes then you have the referee who you know who thinks he's he's above Division Three and Division Four. You know, he might not want to to, to referee down at that level, but uh, the, you know there is a way of handling that, of course. Yeah. So when you say you used to handle the abuse yourself, what, how how would you handle it, or how bad would it be? <laughs> Jeez, Colin, that wouldn't be for the airways. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open about this. I've, I've often had lots of uh, 
you know, and, and myself and, and Jack O'Connor, I remember myself and Jack having a run in above in Parnell Park and, and he was coming across at half time and I could see him coming from me and, and uh, we swapped a few words. He, he, he said a few things to me and I said a few things to him and, and we walked into the dressing room together and, you know, when the match was over, we shook hands and that was how it was dealt with, you know. And, and you know, I, I've got to admit, like, looking back and, like, you know, if I was doing the association a favour, I wasn't doing the association a favour. You know, people can say that, you know, and, and maybe quite rightly so, I wasn't doing my job correctly. Hey, listen, times have changed. It was the way I dealt with it. Um, and mind you, Jack was only one of the many fellas, you know, that... Um, yeah. That, 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 that we, listen, when I say run-ins, like, we had a disagreement and... and um, uh, we swapped a few words, but then after the game was over, we moved on. We shook hands and we moved on. That, that's the way it was dealt with. But yeah. may, 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 you know, some some of the abuse maybe nowadays is you know is a way over the top and and, and unacceptable. And, and uh, you know, I was a bit surprised with Torlock. You know, uh, he he doesn't uh, strike. I don't know the man. I've never met the man personally, but he, he doesn't strike me as a as a as that type of character. And uh, you know, is I, I know an awful long time, and myself and Kieran has often swapped words, but. Um, he, he he surprises me, but as well he he seems to you know always have a level that he goes to, and then that he doesn't go beyond that. Uh, so it, it's disappointing. Let's put it that way. And I think maybe you know when the lads reflect on it, uh, um, you know it's not a good place for managers to be in because you know they, they you know for their you know they demand managers demand a massive amount of discipline from their players. So you, you, know, you as a person, as a manager, must have discipline within yourself. And yeah. to be seen out there, to be running in with referees, it just doesn't sell. It doesn't always send the right message, you know. And, and then when you're encouraging players not to commit spells and not to commit frees and be disciplined on the football pitch, and and then you're not you're not following your end of the bag and on the other side doesn't send a good message. No. And like we had Kevin McStay last year in the Donegal Ross Common game losing his cool as well and he's a very level-headed fella and I've I've had dealings with Turlock and he is very level-headed but yeah, I'm sure you saw the video of that. He completely lost control um, that day running across the field like that. It looked it looked terrible. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe there's just more pressure on managers. I'm trying to wonder why all these examples are coming up from more level... McGinney's a very level-headed fella. Like, I mean... Maybe it's just the pressure of the job and it's all intensified and a referee mistake, you see that as having screwed you over. And or like we said at the start, maybe this has always been the case, only now it's being dealt with. Um, yeah, you know, if you, if you go back to all them lads, to probably, you know, it's probably fair to say that they work, they work so hard on all other aspects of the game, you know, about the players' diets, the... the uh, the training schedule for that evening, um, you know, and and maybe they don't work hard enough on themselves, you know, about, you know, do they get self-assessed? How, you know, how am I managing? How how does other people see me? Um, is maybe something that you know managers could look. There's no question about it, uh, Colin. You know, the modern day manager and the modern day football player, uh, it, it, the pressure is much greater. The, the the, everyone has a voice now. You know, got back nowadays. You could uh, go drinking for three days and nobody'd know you'd done it. Like you know, but um, you know, the pressure to, to, in the modern game is is is. There's no question about it. The level of training, the level of intensity, the the level of demand. It is greater. It is greater. But maybe you know, people like like Kieran and and, and Torlock, and maybe they just need to look at you know. Uh, themselves. Maybe put a bit more time into themselves and ask you know how am I really managing. How, how does that? How does my own player look upon me, and how am I managing this whole situation? Yeah, no, exactly. Come here. I want to ask you before I let you go about. We talked last Thursday about 
players influencing referees. So Andy McEntee um, was talking about Michael Murphy after the league final and he was saying that Michael Murphy is able to influence the referee and Michael Murphy has denied that. But I was saying on the podcast last Thursday that this has been going on for donkey's years. Now, players think they can influence a referee by plow-mossing them or being nice to them. I'm just wondering from a referee's point of view, has that any bit of effect at all or you know can a high profile player being nice to you or telling you've made a good decision you know maybe subconsciously it might work but teams trust me from team meetings teams think it can, thinks it can work then again it depends on the referee as well I'm just wondering how much the butter how far the buttering up has gone in your experience <laughs> you know you know from your playing days you know and, and even me as a referee like I always knew who the talkers were you always knew the guys that, you know, it's like, you know, and it's going back in our time. I mean, the, the referee was well analyzed. Before the game, the manager spoke about the referee. But the top referees, I mean, when I was operating, like, I mean, I always knew every player on that. I knew every player's first name on the pitch. That was the number one ingredient for me. I, 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 that I always knew that at inter-county level, I knew everyone, every player on the field by his number, by his first name. So that was my way into it. Uh, and the, but the other one you always prepared yourself was the talkers, the fellas that were going to, you know, talk during the game. You know, you take, you know, you weren't bad at talking yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, you take fellas in my early part of my career, Keith Bauer. People used to think that Keith Bauer was always, myself and Keith Bauer was having a constant battle, but Keith Bauer was a communicator. But, so you knew the guys that were going to try and influence you, of course. And I, you know, I was a player myself long enough, and of course I was trying to influence the referee, and of course I was trying to influence his decisions, and and then you know that's part and parcel of the game, and and uh, you know, and then you, you find out you're a really strong referee. You know, Michael Murphy. I mean, if he was playing for me, would I want him influencing the referee or trying to influence him? Absolutely. Right, I would. Yeah. You know? So uh, you know, and it's the same at you know people talk about uh, uh, you know at rugby level that the player uh, you know the the captain going and trying to influence the referee. It happens there as well. It's, and that's part and parcel of the game and, and um, you know that's what separates your, your good referees from your reasonable referees to your weak referees is how they handle that that communication and does it do you think it works right because like I mean referees are only human <clears throat> right they're human beings and sometimes you think they have to be this stone cold computer that just makes the right calls all the time so you have one manager on the sideline and he's giving you shit the whole game or a few players and you hear them they're doing a lot of trash talk and they're giving you shit and you have another team then who are playing the game in the right manner who you know might say you know just be respectful in general regardless of whatever you know are you going to like give the 50-50 calls in a, in a direction against the team that's giving you grief some people think that giving the referee abuse is going to work to your advantage like surely it works to your disadvantage it can go three ways Colin it can go three ways it can go the real strong referee and he just sees nothing out there in front of him or only what he's doing and he doesn't care about anybody and he will call it down the line. Right. Then you will see the referee, he's been, oh, Christ, my this man has given me a fierce hard time, I'm going to give him this next handy free. Or you may get the referee who goes, feck him, a boy's killing me, I'm going to give him nothing. Yeah. So it can, it, can fall, it can fall three ways. And that, you're dead right. I mean, it, it depends on the human being himself. But there's three types in that scenario. There, there is three. There's, there is a possible three results here. Yeah, that's it. So, which are more common? Do you think? Yeah, that's a good one. I, I think it falls on the, on the, on the, 
the weakness side where you, you give them more or give them less, it, it falls to them too. Uh, the, 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 the referee that sees it down the middle and just, you know, doesn't see anything. I remember a particular manager, you know, he used to, um, he was quite a um, volatile character along the lane and to be a lane ball beside him, I wouldn't be even looking there. I used to be tunnel vision, you know. And, uh, but I think the, the amount of referees out there who can just completely focus and do the tunnel vision job, you know, you're talking about your top 10 referees in the country that, that can handle that one. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm sure in a in a league game away from home, you might it might pass through your mind and you're trying to do it re- right and the, re- the crowd's going mad. You might cross your mind, Jesus, I'd be lucky to get out here alive unless I give these, <laughs> unless I give these lads a decision or something here. Absolutely, yeah. You could be coming out in the boot of a car here yeah, very quickly. <laughs> like poor, poor, be... poor Cartage Buckley down in uh, Ockram back in 1986. Do you remember that going on? I did, I did. I remember the great Cartage, yeah, yeah. Yeah, living he, in, he, he living down, still living still living down there in Offaly, is he? He is. He's down there in Offaly. We talked to him when, in my previous job, so that was a huge. But that, like that, that's an old fable story. And he got a death threat from Leash supporters. He sent off three Leash players that year. Leash were league league title title winners, and it was the Battle of Ockram. You remember that? And like he yeah, he got yeah, death yeah. he got death threats after that game. Like I mean that that was out yeah. of control. Yeah, yeah. And well, I mean, you you, you take them year. What was that? Ninety eighty six. 86, 1986, you know, and 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 it happened back then. So you can imagine what's been, what the, the capabilities are today with the modern means of communication. So uh, yeah, thanks be to God, I wasn't around and refereeing and, and all the modern ways of communicating because I'm sure a lot of people had a lot of things to say about me. So <laughs> yeah, I, well. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm relieved and delighted to avoid that era. Right. Okay. Listen, come here, um, Pat. Thanks very much for taking the call and giving us an idea of what it's like. Thanks, Colin. Conan Doherty was a fantastic analyst and I mean I really heed what he would say in your programme I think, I think Tyrone are going to win I'm going to go with them I, as much as I, I predicted Dublin to win the All-Ireland at the start of the year I just think Tyrone are going too well they're unaffected by the other team too well set up I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years they're ready for them I'm, I'm going to go with them you All right, so Dublin's five in a row, um, Alan. How concerned are you that you didn't make a league final? Are we reading too much into this? We know what Jim Gavin's like. I think he'd be, have been put out that he didn't make the league final. I don't think it's a big plan that he wasn't going to make any league final. The, the part of the plan was winning the league as uh, the same as every other year. Yeah, I don't think he'd be that concerned about not making the league final. He might be concerned about maybe some of the performances in the National League would uh, would 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 would. I think would be more worrying for him, but uh, look, it'll be forgotten about by this stage once they come back. Like it, like it's nearly a new season once they come back from the clubs now. So yeah, but there was some of the performance probably where uh, probably gave some of the other teams a little, little cause for optimism going into the championship. And and then when you see Mayo, I think kind of Mayo winning the national league, I think is. Uh, I think it's going to be great for the game because all of a sudden it puts them back in the picture. And I saw them against Dublin er, er, earlier on in the league and at the mall, but written off. Like yeah. I'm completely written off. But I think, in fairness to to to, to, 
they've got a couple of lads coming off the bench. I think he put I think he put Colin Boyle on the bench for the for the for the National League final, and that's the right thing to do. To have a fellow like him coming in with fifteen or twenty minutes left, yeah, all of a sudden gives Mayo a real bit of impetus. Moran and um, Boyle came on, which was yeah, nearly like the cheer Berno yeah. and McManaman and these yeah. lads might get. So that'll make a big difference to them. But uh, oh look, it's a new season coming once they come back from the club championships. I don't think Jimmy be be overly concerned just yet. But would he be a little bit concerned? And are you concerned about? Tyrone potentially you know kicking the ball in more right so teams had gone completely away from that with Dublin Dublin full back line were marking from the front because no one was putting manners on them they were cleaning lads out they were able to pick the likes of Johnny Cooper Owen Merchant and Davy Byrne three not you know na- naturally big runners, fellas yeah. three runners in the full back line because no one put manners on them so now with Tyrone maybe showing how to put manners on them that now suddenly the Dublin fullback line. Now I know people talked about the Dublin fullback line before, and they always were able to prove themselves. You know, Philly handled Aidan O'Shea and handled Kieran Donaghy at times yeah. as well. But like I mean, the thing about it is there is Owen Merchant is too small for a fullback line. Like I mean, now the teams know that to get it in and actually take the game to the Dublin are just at their ease for the last couple of years, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, they always had extra men back there. Like any of the games they played, they'd have two extra men back there. But I think Jamie would be glad he found out now. Yeah. And in fairness, particularly the Tyrone game, um, Kyle McShane and, and Matty Donnelly calls our sort of problem two big aggressive footballers. So that'll anyone looking at they looking at that game will think right. That's what we need to do. We need to put we need to put two big ball winners in there. So Jim and his management team, I'm sure, have already spoken with that and how to deal with it and they'll have Philly back and, and like in fairness if you're playing a team like that the likes of Owen probably isn't suitable for it um, like if you put the likes of Johnny back there with Philly McMahon if Rory O'Carroll comes back you have the guys to deal with that but uh, I think Jim would be glad he found out now because it is like nobody's kicked it in like against Dublin the same as Toronto did for years like if no. you look at Toronto last year they never God I don't know if they kicked two balls in like that in the All-Ireland final that would be, probably be the height of it and, and like it certainly did cause problems for Dublin. Yeah. yeah, and how much would Dublin be tailoring their their trainings towards defensive teams rather than actually practicing their kicking game number one? Because you always see when they play Mayo, they look a little bit rattled in that it's paired off one on one. The kick passes on, but Dublin are so programmed now to be more of a running team because that's what works against the defensive teams. Do Dublin need to completely rethink their training? And well, they're not really sure. It, it's definitely throwing a spanner in their in the works because they were just at their ease with that patient, you know, um, possession based game that Kilkenny orchestrated against the the more defensive teams. Yeah, well, like in some games they were at their luxury. They could play Kieran Kilkenny back as a wing back, back as a wing back, because no one was going to mark him, so he was able to control the game from there. But I think, like I think, it shows to play against Dublin or to play against teams like that, you need to push men up. And you need to have yeah. good bowing and forwards in there, and you need to kick it into them. You need to give them a chance. And um, like as we saw with the likes of Colin McShane, who was excellent that day, that that kind of has to be the template if you want to compete with Dublin. And that's why Mayo have over the last few years because they push their men up, and they 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 probably kick the ball more than other teams. But Mayo or um, Kerry will be the same as that as well once it comes to the championship. And oh, they probably weren't great in the last game in the national league, but. Yeah, well, they the forwards as well, the likes of Tommy Walsh and stuff that can um, that, that 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 can win ball in there. So I think we'll see a different championship this year, probably than what we saw the last couple of years, which I think is a good thing and a good thing for Dublin as well. Like as we often said before, the game evolves and it does seem to be evolving again. Yeah, exactly. Come here. What about the pressure of the five in a row? Because 
it was Mikey Sheedy was talking during the league about his legs being completely dead in the final against Offaly and he just couldn't really describe it and like you were there for three in a row and you know the, the obviously the stock answer coming out of any camp going for a five in a row well, is not mentioned amongst the group and you know all this kind of thing but going for three in a row you're driving to training with one or two lads would you not be saying geez it'd be great to get the three in a row you know what I mean you would be would privately uh, I, without I, I honestly don't I honestly don't know not at this stage maybe if it gets to a final and the hype starts to ramp up at that stage it might feel like but I think at this stage of the year it, it, like I don't think it really matters to the like, like those this Dublin team has certainly has nothing to prove to anybody outside the group or even inside the group it's really how hard they can drive themselves to win it like, I, I, like it certainly won't be mentioned in the group there's no oh no it that. wouldn't there's be mentioned no by Jim Gavin I'm wondering um, like with players amongst themselves like I mean it you're human beings and it's a five in a row you know what I mean you're yeah. not going to you're not you're not going to pretend that it's not happening or just think it yourself without talking like I'm talking about driving to training or whatever you know yeah, I don't, like is it really a, a, kind of that big a deal it's for never been done is before it? it's never been done before I don't know if they look at it like that like for me I felt pressure we felt pressure to win our first All-Ireland once that first All-Ireland was won I think it was like the monkey off the back Nearly after that, everything else is nearly a bonus. After that, it, like I can't, like I can't really see it weighing down the lads and the way you're talking about, um, like the pressure we'd have felt losing to Tyrone in our way. That sort of, like that was that was hard at the time because you're feeling we're never going to win this. But once we won in 2011, it, like it definitely was like a weight off our backs and like the team was a lot freer after that. We could we could play a bit more freely and and like I think that's the way this current team is now. Like. like a, I really can't see the five in a row team weighing on them unless it comes to a final and the hype starts to build around it then but at the moment I don't think it's a it's an issue at all Right okay mentioning Maybe I'm wrong now but me- Mentioning the monkey off the back um, I'm going to talk quickly about a couple of contenders because Mayo got the monkey off the back and you're talking about how much um, pressure that released off you to actually finally have won it now Mayo haven't won in All-Ireland but it won a national title in really you know close hard fought game one that did you, they usually lose those to Dublin they beat Kerry in it like how psychologically how much do you think that will help will have helped them yeah I think it'll be huge for huge for their confidence to win a final like that like I actually couldn't believe that those lads had never won even a National League final when yeah. when uh on on the morning again, I was reading about. He would have thought they'd have won a national league at some stage over the last few years. But but isn't it crazy to think that Dublin and Mayo can go toe to toe to that and be so evenly matched? And Dublin have won. Dublin players have won five All Irelands. Mayo have never won. Never six won any. Five six. They're Allerns, going for si- going for six. They're going for yeah. They're going for six. Going for six. Yeah. No, they're going for seven. Oh, they're going for seven. Yeah. yeah. Seven All. They're go- well. They've won six yeah. and Mayo have won none. Yeah. No, it's unbelievable. It yeah. is. And. and, and Look, look, it's good to see Mayo back. I had them written off, but but it is good to see them back. I think they're going to be a different team going into the. Killian O'Connor's back there at the weekend as well because they need him because Aidan O'Shea's come out of the forwards. He's been brilliant in midfield with Ruan, who looks like he, like he, he's not as good as Fenton, but he could have the same impact yeah. as this fresh legs. You know what I mean in the midfield area for them. Yeah, but they need Killian O'Connor, but a fella like that coming off the bench, like 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 he didn't play in the national league really, so um, and they've won a national league final without him. Like to have him. Colin Boyle Andy Moran coming off a bench like that changes that team so I think Seamus O'Shea Seamus O'Shea yeah they've, like, they've won a National League without those guys without those guys starting so that's the if I was James Horan that's the template I'd be following How difficult you're talking about the bench here so you were on the bench for your last year with Dublin you're a former player of the year so you've come 
through the same era as me when being on the first 15 was absolutely like if you weren't on it you were just disgusted you might get <laughs> five minutes at the end of a game and now like psychologically do you, do you, is it as big a blow not to make the first 15 when you know you're guaranteed to get 15 minutes 20 minutes and you could see out the game or how, how do lads talk about that now I, I've been like, I'm a long time out of the game yeah and of course you want to be playing but I think like in fairness to Jim Gavin and he, like he talks about he talks about it being a 20 man game and like if you look at his championship games over his 5 year reign or whatever his 6 year reign he nearly always puts the 5 subs in so you know if you're in the pecking order subs you know you're getting game you time. know you're going to get decent game time yeah because he does roll the subs in when they're needed and, and, and in that year in 2015 I'd, I'd probably played probably 20 minutes in every game until the final and I didn't get on until four or five minutes left in the final. Like I remember, I was warming up and down the line. I was nearly running over James. Thinking, Has he forgotten about me? <laughs> <laughs> and I only got four minutes in that game, and it was a tight game. I would have thought that was a game I was perfect for. Yeah. But uh, look, it worked out in the end. But um, yeah, look, it's like it's something that you have to get your head around. But there's no doubt, like it is, like if you're at the top end and you want to be beating Dublin. You're gonna to have to have four or five subs that you can roll in that are gonna make a difference. Yeah. So if, 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 if like I think at that level, there's no doubt it is a twenty man game. Would he be one for a pep talk? Like if you're not starting, would he be one to say, "Look, well, you'll be getting in. I'm ca- I'm counting on you." Would be that be Darcy's? No, Darcy's no, uh, no, he never job. makes any promises, Jimmy. No, never, uh, no, he never makes promises to anybody. Um, he makes the calls on the day and look it's a big boys game you got, like yeah. if you're on the bench you got to get your own head around it no he was never one if, like if you were dropped he might let you down gently before he was naming the team but there was no uh, like there was no phone calls coming the day before or whatever to say he'd have a word with you on the training field and say look kind of this is what I'm going with um, and then he named the team it kind of didn't give you any time to get annoyed about it because he'd named the team five minutes after so I suppose there's a, there's a there's a reason for everything that was probably his reason behind it didn't and give you time to get tick and did you ever speak to him after getting the four minutes in the final when you got 20 minutes all the rest of the year because me and you go back a long way and I remember watching that match going this is bullshit <laughs> like, there was no sentiment there at all like after everything you'd done did I he was ever? kind of justified in the end though. well it was like, when you got the point you a score and you get, so. but you might not have scored that point like, yeah, it I mean, might have been a different conversation <laughs> the then, banquet yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but did he say anything did, was there any conversation around the four minutes rather than the 20 no 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 I remember having a bit, a bit, bit of um, we were having a few points the next morning in the boar's head I think and having a bit of crack with Declan Darcy about saying Declan what was the story for me minutes like I think Jay was there as well was Jay involved and he was actually yeah what was the story lads four minutes like but uh, it was all Justin Jess having a bit of crack it worked out in the end yeah God. it looked luckily enough it worked out in the end so what's your top four to, what's your top five contenders then who are you concerned about is Kerry number one or Mayo I'm getting the sense that Mayo have come back but you had written off who do you who do you have as the main threats then ah, Kerry I think certainly look uh, certainly look strong up front like having watched the National League final watching the first half I thought I could only see one winner in that game. Like Kerry looks so dangerous up front, and I think if they can, if they can manage to shore up the defence, maybe a little bit over the next month or so, they're they're going to be in with a great job because when they get the Crow Park, they have the players now for Crow Park. They have the young guys playing, which is um, which is what you need. Looking at Tyrone as well, like like again after the All Ireland final last year, would would we have written off Tyrone saying look maybe they're just not at that level, but like having seen them in the National League and kind of the way they kick the ball in, all of a sudden it puts them really back in the picture again. Obviously Mayo as well. Um, like I can't really see anything outside. Outside Donegal, Galway are your outside bets. Now yeah. they need to change their style because the way I look at it, that Galway and Donegal, 
like I mean they need to they're still a little bit in that style Dublin are comfortable with and Dublin yeah, proved Dublin, that last you're gonna year you're going to have to play the way to Toronto a little you're going to yeah. have to kick it in you're going to have to get two big ball winners and those two guys are going to have to play really well on the, on the day yeah on the day to beat Dublin yeah, yeah. M- McNeilish isn't committed to Donegal yeah, he's which a big is loss. a he's big, a big loss, loss yeah. Yeah, I really like him as a footballer yeah, it's, it's um, yeah I'm not sure why that is I think he was close to the to the yeah, the young fella that died. Yeah, I think maybe he's just. Is, yeah, he's he just, just needs a bit of space. Over I think there, that's yeah. it. Like, I mean, sometimes you just need. I need a long run from last year into the club, and maybe that uh, Chuck Mickey's pub got the better of him there after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would get the better of a lot of people. Say, yeah. <laughs> I want to go up there. <laughs> I really do. I might want be to be a bit old for it now. Willie. Back in the day, maybe. <laughs> but I just want to go up. It's almost a tourist attraction. Now. I want yeah, to go up yeah, on holidays yeah. in Guidor, and I want to. Vi- I want to have a couple of yeah. pints in. Ah, in for Chuck sure. Mickey. If I ever get near Guidor on holidays, that's where we'd be heading for. I have to tell my wife we're going to look at the scene and we just <laughs> pop in here they've a boombox in here <laughs> come here thanks very much for coming in um, and sure we'll, we'll I'm not going to say I hope Dublin win five in a row well I, to be honest I don't care now it's done I want to see a, I want to see a competitive championship I want to see them rattled like, yeah, I mean, or else you want to see them challenged I think that's uh, like I think in fairness Dublin they'd want that as well like you want to see once they get to our Ireland quarterfinal stage just super breaks we want to see we want to see the likes of Mayo perform we want to see the likes of Kerry perform and we want to see Tyrone doing what they did that day in Crow Park in the yeah. National League and, um, and then if Dublin manage to come out on top of that because it's going to be a big ask for them like, like to go back I don't think there's any pressure from the outside I, I don't think they've had to prove to anyone as footballers but but uh, they're a, they're a ambitious committed group of guys so they'll certainly want to deliver the five in a row yeah and we've gone through a full podcast without even mentioning Dublin's unfair advantage in Croke Park <laughs> <laughs> alright we'll talk to you on Thursday Connor, I'm going on holidays Conan and Connor are going to hold the fort we'll talk to you then good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.